Welcome to the Easy Living Yards podcast. Here, you'll learn how to create a beautiful, eco-friendly yard so you can enjoy a beautiful space that makes our world a better place. I'm your host, Ben Hale, and I'm an ecological landscape designer in beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. My goal is to make as many beautiful, chemical-free, purposeful landscapes in our world so we can live better while helping the world around us. We cover topics from native plants, permaculture, and ecological landscaping to organic gardening, kid-friendly playscapes, healthy outdoor play, and living with purpose. Let's jump in and create your beautiful space that makes our world a better place. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we're going to be talking about why you should consider a rain container. Guys, rain containers are super awesome, as you're going to know by the end of this show. And I want to highlight uh, basically some of the top lines of of what rain containers are, why they're important, why they're helpful, uh, both for you and the surrounding environment. Before we jump into today's show, we're going to cover some housekeeping stuff today. And uh, to start off with, uh, you know, this is a beautiful time of year. We're jumping into spring here. Uh, things are growing. Things are popping in the garden. And if you're not super happy with your landscape, of course, I want you to consider the uh, services we offer here at Easy Living Yards. So if you haven't got uh, got a chance to go over and check out the services page of the Easy Living Yards uh, site, you can go to easylivingyards.com slash services to check out what we offer there. We offer a wide array of services from uh Virtual uh, services, location independent, uh, where we connect digitally, uh, perfectly awesome in this COVID age, right? So we offer things like consultation and design, uh, both virtually and in person in the Cincinnati region, um, as well as a the membership coaching program where uh, I help folks like you, uh, DIYers that really want to tackle the landscape yourself, either to save money or because you love it, or, uh, you know, for whatever reason, um, you like the challenge perhaps, and you want a little bit of coaching along the way. Uh, that's where the easy living yards membership is a perfect option for you. It's very affordable. So go on over to easylivingyards.com slash services to learn more about any of those services that might sound helpful to you. Uh, as always, uh, if you guys are on your mobile, uh, ely.how slash services will get you there as well. So any links I talk about, uh, if you go to ely.how slash whatever link I'm talking about. Um, so for example, this episode uh, would be ely.how slash episode 110, I think, I think is the episode for today. Um, maybe it's 111. So don't hold me to that. But anyway, I think you get the picture. So uh, anyway, yeah, if uh, if that sounds right for you, uh, easylivingyards.com slash services. Also, if you guys want to support the show in a different way, uh, there's a couple things you can do. One, share us on social. It's super helpful for getting the word out or share us with a friend as well. Uh, that if you love the show and you think a certain friend might, uh, you know, might kind of jive with the show. Easy Living Yards is, of course, the, the podcast here is not for everyone, right? Uh, it's it's those, for those special, unique folks like me and you uh, that care about uh, what our yard does for a greater purpose, right? And so uh, anyway, if you think uh, there's somebody that might appreciate that, uh, definitely share it with them. I'd super appreciate it if you did so. Now let's talk some more about rain containers. All right. So we're going to go through a couple different buckets of 
of uh, rain containers and, and different topics about it. So this show in general is not a specific how-to show of like, you know, connect this coupling and this bulkhead fitting here and, you know, this overflow spout here, uh, things like that. You know, we're not getting into super technical stuff. This is a podcast, right? And it's kind of difficult to cover some of that. So that's one practical consideration. And two, I want this to really get you interested in them. Uh, if you're, if you're kind of, you know, on the fence or something, or if you want to learn more about rain containers, that's what this show is about. So we're going to cover, um, a couple benefits of rain containers. We're going to be talking about different types of rain containers and also just some key, you know, miscellaneous factors that you definitely want to consider, uh, when you're talking rain containers and, um, the, the topic rain container, whether we call it a rain container, you might've heard the term rain barrels, um, or cisterns, rain cistern. Um, we're all talking generally the same type of thing. Uh, you know, a barrel rain barrel, usually you're talking about the small one that connects to a downspout rain cisterns might be a bigger one that might even supply potable water. Um, just to clarify for the focus of this show, I'm talking about rain containers for use in landscape. Um, and so that, that is quite a bit different. Um, and there are uh, a lot of resources for these different types of containers you're talking about. So when you're talking about rain barrels, um, we'll talk about some resources at the bottom of the show here, but, um, just to highlight some of these as well, um, a lot of local, uh, county, um, soil and water conservation districts have information about rain containers. Um, also Google is your friend. Uh, you can find a lot of information online. Uh, if you're talking about just getting started with a simple rain barrel, um, there's also kits you can get. Um, sometimes they're, again, they're subsidized by your local municipality, uh, whether it's your County soil and water conservation district, or maybe even your township or city might have a little program, uh, or various things they offer, uh, from time to time. So it's worth checking those out. There's some great books as well, especially if you're looking for uh, potable systems that's way outside of today's scope. Uh, And so you want to make sure you design these things properly, or you're going to deal with a lot of problems of either sanitation or contamination with uh, chemicals or um, uh, problems with just, you know, logistical problems of where the water is located compared to where you want it in your house um, or freezing and thawing issues, um, you know, structural considerations for the tank itself uh, and so on and so forth. So it's, it becomes very complex and detailed and you want to get this stuff right. So uh, that's outside of today's scope, but this, you know, today's show can still have some general primers that um, relate to, to that as well. But I want to make sure if you're using it for, for drinking water use, household use, you really want to do your research on this stuff because it, it it's pretty uh, nuanced and involved. All right, um, so let's talk about the benefits of rain containers. So you got, uh, I've highlighted four main topics. Uh, there's, I'm sure there's more, but I just, these are the ones that kind of popped in my head and I wanted to talk about. One, they provide healthy water for your garden. So there's a, a big difference between rainwater and uh, potable water that's um, delivered by your municipality or perhaps even well water. Um, so sometimes even well water is chlorinated, uh, not always, but it's it's also a lot of times now our, our, um, our wells, our, our groundwater systems uh, sometimes are high in salts or have a lot of residues in them. So even even with uh, groundwater, uh, rainwater is a lot of times more healthy for your plants. Uh, it's it's usually more pH balanced, not always. You know, you've heard about acid rain, for example. Um, but in general, uh, rainwater is is better for plants. Uh, and and so when you compare it to a municipal system 
for sure. Uh, your municipal water, just based on the logistics of it, right? You're talking about a centralized system that has to deliver safe drinking water to every home within its, you know, within its system. And in order to do so, it has to be produced in a sanitary manner and delivered in a sanitary member, manner. And this is a lot of times, you know, you have to be, deal with um, water main breaks or, or failing main systems that have leaks in them so they can get contaminated uh, easily. And so in order to do that, a lot of times these systems are chlorinated and they're chlorinated pretty heavy. So by the time that they get to your tap, the chlorine level has gone down, but it's still enough to be safe uh, to drink from a biological contamination perspective and also safe from the amount of chlorine level because, uh, you know, we can tolerate a certain amount of chlorine, but not too much in our system. Now, this chlorine, uh, when it's in contact with plants, it can stress the plants. It's not usually enough to, you know, kill these plants or anything, but it's still a stressor, right? And the more stresses your plants are dealing with, the tougher time they're going to have, the less vigorous they're going to be, the more disease prone they're going to be. And so this is where, you know, eliminating a lot of these factors for your for your plants, which is a lot of what we talk about on this show, right? Making sure your plants are happy so they require less work. So this is one of those factors is the water. If you have rainwater, your plants are going to be happier because they're not going to have that stressor of the chlorine uh, presented to them. And a lot of times there's also uh, fluoride present in certain municipal systems as well. And um, this can be a stressor for the biological capacity in your soil. So um, stuff to think about, and and it's definitely a benefit for rainwater. Uh, second, it's low-cost storage, okay? So think about it. You're, you're basically, you're providing a container that's filled up by when the rain falls, usually from your roof, and that's it, right? And so it's it's there, it's in reserve for when you need it or when you choose to use it, and that's it. So um, it, there's some work for sure to set these things up, and there's some costs involved, but once it's in place, that's it. It becomes a long-term, low-cost solution if you design it well and, and you use it properly, and that's it. So it's low-cost storage. Uh, third, it helps reduce runoff. Now, when you're talking about a rain barrel connected to a roof, a rain barrel, you know, a typical 55-gallon rain barrel will fill up very, very quickly. A lot of times, most roofs, uh, it needs less than an inch of rain to fill, <laughs> like a tenth of an inch of rain to fill up 55 gallons of water. So um, you, you'd be surprised at how much rain falls on your roof. And one of the resources in today's show, I'll have a link to a rainwater calculator. Um, and so definitely check that out just to realize how much rain falls on your roof uh, using this free rainwater calculator that I have. So check that out and that'll help you figure out too what size of tank you can use. If you're considering something beyond a rain barrel, it's very important to know how much water is hitting your roof in a given rain event in a given season so you know how, mu- how to properly size your tank and how quickly it will fill up. Okay, so uh, it's low-cost storage. It helps reduce runoff. Oh, yes, that's where we are. I lost my tra- train of thought. So <laughs> it happens quite often usually. Um, so anyway, uh, reducing runoff. Uh, so... Basically, when you're filling up your rain container, right, that water would otherwise be leaving your landscape and usually in a pretty quick manner. Now, if you're talking about a very small system like a 55-gallon drum, it's not that much of an impact, but it's still 55 gallons, right? And so if you think about the more of us that do something like this, how much more broadly it impacts 
you know, stormwater, very stressed stormwater systems, whether they're natural or man-made systems, right? So our, uh, in Cincinnati, for example, um, where we live, uh, in Cincinnati, we're on a combined sewer system. What that means is your sewage, that's right, the stuff that goes through your toilet uh, and down the sink drains in your house connects to the same stuff that our downspouts usually connect to. So there are sewers that are combined with raw sewage as well as runoff from our landscapes that flows into sewer drains. And, and then it goes to the, um, the, the sewage processing center, right? And so when there's heavy rain events, that system becomes overwhelmed, Okay, so our raw sewage combined with um, our our municipal runoff, you know, the stuff that goes in the sewer drains on the streets and also the stuff that pretty much everybody's downspout in the city of Cincinnati is connected to goes into the same system, has to go through the sewage treatment plant before it exits into the Ohio River, which then connects to the Mississippi River and the Gulf of Mexico. See how it's all connected? So when there's a big rain event, the sewage treatment plant simply cannot manage all of that overflow, okay? And so what happens is there's these things called combined sewer overflows. And, and they're basically an offshoot of the sewer itself. So when the sewer's filled with, with all that the sewage treatment plant can handle, it, it overflows into local waterways, and so we've got raw sewage, you know, disposal, kitchen disposal gunk, um, you know, whatever sanitary stuff goes into um, our sewers then overflows along with stormwater into our local waterways. This, hu- this causes a huge um, flush in organic, <laughs> no pun intended, but now, now, I'm, now it's deliberate. <laughs> it flushes into the local waterways. And this is no laughing matter, unfortunately, because it, it causes a huge organic matter spike it, along with a biological pathogen source uh, into our local waterways, which again connects to the, the Ohio River and then into the Mississippi River and the Gulf of Mexico. This is a major source of water contamination and and disrupts a bunch of biological systems along the way. So when we take 55 gallons out of our downspout and store it in a little barrel, while it doesn't seem like much, the more of us that do something like this, with the more barrels we do it with, it actually adds up and makes a big impact and it stops poop from going into the Gulf of Mexico. All right. Or wherever you're at the Chesapeake Bay, Lake Erie, right? Wherever it is, the Puget Sound, it matters. Okay. Because what we're doing is we're reducing our human impact on the biological world. So whatever you can do, it helps. Okay. It helps reduce runoff, which is a major problem. Okay. We've talked about rain gardens on this show. If you don't know about rain gardens and you want to help, rain gardens are another awesome way to do this. So check out that. I'll leave a link to rain gardens in the in the show notes as well. So let me jot down a note here so we don't forget. And um, moving on from there. So, so far we talked about healthy water for your garden. That's one benefit. Low-cost storage, reducing runoff. And the last one is reducing energy in our demand on water supply. Okay, so this is the other end, right? So we talked about the sewage piece, right? Well, the other end of it is it, tar- it takes a lot of energy to produce clean water. And when we're using that clean water 
to irrigate our landscape, that's a huge burden, okay? A huge environmental burden and a huge burden on human systems as well. So think about, especially in the in the Western U.S., where water is much more scarce. Water is often transported hundreds of miles. Take Phoenix, Arizona, for example. Water is transported hundreds of miles to get to where its endpoint use is. And so it puts major stress on the those regional, um, trans-regional water systems. When instead, we could simply be using the water that falls on our roof and spreading it out over time instead of just let it run away and soak into the ground and run off our landscape and into the ocean. So it helps slow down that process to where it, it, it can be used uh, more usefully and reduce our burden on those systems, okay? There's a lot of energy, like I said, as well. So take, for example, what I just referenced out west. That water has to be pumped in order to cross that that massive region. It also evaporates. Uh, a huge amount of it evaporates. Even here in the east where we get a lot more rain. So in Cincinnati, you know, some of you Western folks are going to be, you're going to be drop your jaws at this because we talk about drought over here and it's it's just a totally different thing. We get 42 inches of rain a year on average, okay? So when you're out west and you're talking about a couple inches, you know, 12 or maybe even five, if you're in Las Vegas, for example, um, you know, 42 sounds like just heavenly, right? So, um, but even so, we go through periods of wet and periods of dry, right? And so um, here... The, the, the water systems are just as stressed and it takes a lot of energy, not just as stressed, but they're also stressed. Um, there's a huge network, right? It requires maintenance, delivery systems, and it also takes a ton of energy to clean and purify water. Okay. So if we can use rainwater that doesn't need that, you know, intensive delivery system, we don't have to pay for it. And, uh, you know, it falls on our land. It's clean enough to use for plants. We might as well, right? So it's super easy. It reduces our demand on a stressed water supply across the globe. Okay. So I think that's kind of a no brainer in my book, but, um, you know, I'll leave that up to you, but there's some massive benefits here. Okay. I think we've dwelt enough on the dwelt. That's a word, right? I think it's maybe like an old English word. I sound like I'm in Shakespeare's time or something. Anyway, types of rain containers. Let's talk about types of rain containers. (laughs) All right. So when we're talking about various rain containers, um, really anything that can hold water can work. And, um, you know, you can have it as pretty as you want or as, you know, utilitarian as you want. Not that utilitarian can't be pretty, but I think you catch my drift here. Now, to start off with, if you're just looking to get started, sometimes the easiest thing to do is to start with a rain barrel. Okay, you can buy them at Home Depot if you want. You can check with your local soil and county water district, your local municipality. A lot of times they have workshops, and these are subsidized by the EPA Clean Water Act a lot of times. So they're there, they're present, and we might as well take advantage of them. Okay, Um, if they're not available in your area, you can order a pretty inexpensive... um, conversion a down there i think they're called a downspout conversion kit so you can google downspout conversion kit um, for rain barrel and uh and you should get a result popping up that's useful and basically what these do they have a little you know you're going to drill a hole into your downspout and it has this little thing that inserts in there it pops in it's kind of like a flexible rubbery plasticky thing and what it's going to do is it's, it's got like a little cup on it so it, it catches 
the water that's flowing down your downspout and it, it directs it into a hose that's going to go to your rain barrel. And then as that fills up, as the rain barrel fills up, you're, it's just going to stop catching the water and redirecting it. So it'll continue to flow back down your downspout and out to, you know, wherever your downspout goes. And so basically it'll, it'll catch that first amount of, of rain and it's a very simple system. It works very well. And it's, you know, and then you've got water that you can just turn on the little tap on the bottom of your rain barrel and it'll flow for you. Now, in order to procure these barrels, um, if you're getting your own barrel, you can find, you know, really nice ones at your Home Depot or whatever uh, that look like a, you know, they're usually plastic, but they look like a barrel um, or they look nice. Right. And so it can be a little bit nicer. You can also just make your own out of it, like an HDPE uh, 55 gallon drum. Uh, so you get these kits and it'll tell you exactly what to do, where to drill the holes. Um, and you can u- usually set these barrels up on like some cinder blocks or something just so you can get a bucket under them or water pot or, you know, put a hose onto it. Um, and uh, just make sure your 55 gallon drum, if you want to, you know, keep things kind of safe. Uh, you can just find these on like Craigslist and stuff, get a food grade one. It's going to cost a few bucks more, but it's totally worth it because then, you know, whatever was in there, whether it was corn syrup or um, water or whatever, that it's relatively safe, right? You don't want chemicals leaching out of the, the, the barrel itself or any residues in there that you have to deal with, right? We're talking about being environmentally sound here. Um, and so, so that's it. That, I mean, they're pretty straightforward and you can, it's kind of tougher to paint those HDPE barrels, but you can use like some of that Rust-Oleum plastic paint, um, that plastic spray paint that works. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that works. So, if you set it in a location that doesn't, you know, matter so much, if it's kind of ugly, uh, it's just fine. Um, now I want to point out too, when we're talking about rain barrels, we're not talking about it. It's, you know, it's not pressurized like your water main, right? So if you are going to connect a hose to it and you want to put your sprayer on the end, it's not going to work. Okay. These are gravity fed. So a lot of times they work with hand watering, or you can put one of those, like, um, a soaker hose, depending on how far down, down you're talking, uh, I guess downstream you're talking from your, your rain barrel, how much drop there is. Sometimes the soaker hose work, but even soaker hoses don't work so well. I'm talking about the ones that are like black and they're like a porous rubber material. Um, the ones with the little holes throughout, they work okay. Um, so I'm, the, the one, the soaker hoses where they're, I guess they're more like a sprinkler hose, um, it, where it's got, you know, it's a long hose, they're kind of flat and they have just a bunch of holes poked along them. They work okay. Um, usually by the end of the hose, there's no water coming out. What I like to use is actually like a really small little sprinkler thing. And I'll, I'll turn on my rain barrel and, um, and I'll just kind of move it around. Usually I use them to water our vegetable garden or just for uh, watering pots. And uh, so you can turn this thing on and I'll just move it around the garden and it does just fine with, this is like, I'm talking like a little tiny, um, it, it screws onto the end of a hose and it's probably only like a, a two inch wide sprinkler head with maybe like uh, 20 or 20 holes or so in it. So it's a small sprinkler, right? Those work great with these things. Um, and you can get more elaborate, but I'm talking about the simple, get us started here, start collecting some rainwater. 
All right, that's what we're talking about here. We have a more advanced, like, drip irrigation system that, that I've set up to where it works with, um, you know, this reduced head pressure of, of rain containers. Um, you can get there. It takes a lot of trial and error. And we're just talking about getting started here, right? So let's just get some rainwater in a in a container on our landscape that we can use. And then we can start messing around with the more detailed stuff once we have some successes under our belt. Okay, so uh, that's the start is the easy downspout rain barrel. We can get into larger rain containers. Um, there's a lot of these plastic modular systems that you can get. We're talking a little bit pricier here, but you have a lot more capacity as well. These things are awesome. You just got to be careful. Um, remember what is, I think, water weighs uh, about eight pounds a gallon. And so you, your weight quickly goes up, right? And so you got to make sure things are properly supported. Things are rated to, um, to hold water um, without, you know, a soil support. So when you're talking about these plastic systems, if you're talking about like a septic tank, if you just want to use that above ground, you got to make sure the walls of that septic tank are able to withstand uh, water pressure um, without soil support. Because a lot of times septic tanks are meant to be buried, and so they actually rely on the soil structure itself to help support the tank. And so if it's not a buried tank, uh, you got to make sure it's it's able to be freestanding. So check that, make sure, because the last thing you want is a bunch of water rupturing right next to your foundation or right up, you know, right uphill of your neighbor's uh, house or something like that, where it's going to cause an expensive problem. Um, so yeah, you can get these plastic, uh, above ground tanks, cisterns, um, they're for, for cost, um, to benefit or cost to, uh, capacity ratio. Let's call it that. Let's sound fancy for cost to capacity ratio, plastic HDPA container containers work very well. I think you get the drift here, guys. Um, how fun you can, you make a discussion about rain containers, Let's be honest here. So I'm trying to do my best here, right? <laughs> okay. Um, so you can you can get these plastic cisterns. Uh, they're usually not very um, attractive, but they're very functional. Um, and you again, when we're talking about these bigger things, do your research because it's way outside the you know the capacity of what my short episode here can cover. Um, Another thing, uh, this is one we use on our landscape is, uh, IBC totes is what they're called. Letter I, letter B, letter C. I think it stands for intermediate bulk container. Um, so these are like squarish, uh, milk jug looking things. They're about, you know, four feet wide by four feet deep by four feet tall here in the U S for most of them. They're 275 gallons, um, basically they're they're a bulk container that's meant to transport um, liquid materials between manufacturing sites um, in a relatively small capacity for you know a manufacturing scale um, and in about a pallet size you know something that can be transported with a forklift basically and so that's what these things are you can get them food grade um, and they're lightweight enough where you can actually maneuver them around your landscape uh, pretty easily and once they're when they're empty but once they're full they weigh a lot so um, anyway you can you can use these things again look up uh, I don't have a you know I, I, I photo documented the process of this to be quite frank but I never published it yet so um, you're gonna have to look elsewhere on the internet for resources about building these things uh, whatever you do with these make sure they are opaque. What I mean by this is if they're clearish, like these IBC totes, um, if you have like a, a white or clearish 
plastic material, you got to make sure it's opaque. Otherwise, you're going to get algae growing on the inside of your tanks. And so then it kind of gets mucky and gross and it just kind of clogs up your system as well. So um, make sure it's opaque. Anyway, so you can go with plastic, uh, you know, um, big cisterns. You can go with these IBC totes. They're basically one step up from your 55-gallon drums. Uh, you can also go with, you know, get more creative. There's a lot of different rain systems. Rainwater has been collected for thousands of years by all different societies across the world. Um, and with that, there's all sorts of different technologies that have been used across the world across time as well. Um, so you can look into steel systems, uh, concrete systems. There's even ones made of steel you know, stone and packed earth and stuff like that. Uh, we're not going to get into that here, but um, there's a lot of options out there based on how um, how advanced do you want to get or how aesthetic uh, your desires are or, or so on and so forth. So I just want to call them out here. Do your research if you want to get that fancy. Make sure you do it right. Okay. And of course, guys, you know, if you want more help with this, reach out. Uh, we can talk more details as well. Um, you can always contact me. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I'm stretching my memory here. Um, oh, yeah. There's always an ask a question um, button on my podcast page is at, uh, over on the website. Oh, yeah. And you just go to ely.how slash ask, and that'll get you to a contact page as well. There we go. Slip in my mind. All right. Let's talk about a couple miscellaneous factors before we wrap up the show here. Um, one, if you live in a climate that freezes, so if you go below, let's say about 30 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, a little bit below, you know, minus one Celsius for those of you international folks listening. Um, you want to empty your containers because especially the parts where there's a valve, uh, those areas are prone to um, cracking and heaving and, um, you know, with the expansion of water in tight spaces. And those are the those are the important spaces that you really can't have failing. And unfortunately, they're the primary fail point. Um, so uh, I've had this happen where we've had a deep freeze and I haven't gotten out and emptied my containers quickly enough and I lose parts of my system and I have to re <laughs> refabricate things. Um, it's kind of a pain. It's a reality with rain systems. So you got to be on top of it if you live in a freezing climate. Um, you know, more advanced systems, uh, people will actually bury parts of their system in order to make sure it's below frost line. Um, those are, you know, more advanced things that we're not going to talk about here. But for here, just empty out your rain container before you get to freezing weather. Um, you can also quickly, you know, those downspout diverters, um, they're built to where you can actually just rotate them uh, 180 degrees to turn them off where they won't capture water anymore for, you know, the winter. And then you just rotate it back again to turn it back on by flipping the little catcher thing back over. Super simple, super easy. Uh, that's why they're a great place to start. Um, so anyway, yeah, just watch out for freezing weather. Uh, you don't want to have a tank rupturing <laughs> due to ice. It's not fun. Uh, you've put a lot of work into these things to put them together and to build them and potentially a lot of expense as well. And it's it's worth protecting that, um, that investment, right? So um, yeah, just consider that. Also, when you're emptying them, make sure you don't overwhelm whatever's downstream. So if it's your garden or whatever, you know, it's best to plan ahead, uh, you know, a few days before your your average first frost date and just kind of empty it slowly over time so you can actually use that water to your benefit uh, and to your garden's benefit, right? And to Or to, you know, empty it out across your yard, put a hose with that little baby sprinkler on it and just move it around every couple hours over a couple days. And you might be surprised at how quickly it empties out depending on the size of your system. 
Okay. Um, also avoid dead legs. Okay. If you're piping the water, you, you want it to to be in a continuous, uh, system, continuous flow. Okay. If you have a dead leg, which is like an offshoot or something, uh, that's where you're going to get, you know, septic conditions, uh, where, you know, you've got anaerobic digestion going on, things are fouling up, um, things get funky and, and it can happen because you're going to have organic matter collecting there and, um, it's going to get kind of gross. Okay. So you want to avoid dead legs in your system. You want to make sure wherever water's, uh, water's touching your system that it can flow through if that makes sense. Okay. Now that there's an exception to this and that's where if you're getting into a slightly more advanced system, uh, it's nice to have what's called a first flush diverter. And so this is where, if you think about like your roof that you're collecting on, let's just call it a shed for now. Okay. Your shed has a a little rain container connected to it, right? The easiest way is just to have it directed right into your container and then have a plan to overflow out of it. Okay, if you're talking about your little rain barrel thing, it's all kind of built in with that downspout diverter piece, right? So one step more advanced from that is to have a what's called a first flush diversion. This is where if you think about your your little shed, right, and it hasn't rained for about a month, you've got birds landing on there, you've got pollen settling on it, you've maybe got some leaves in the gutter, uh, and so all that bird poop and that pollen and those leaves, with the first little rain you get, it's going to be pretty nasty stuff. High organic matter, okay? You want to direct that away from your rain collection system because the more organic matter you have, the more dissolved solids you have in your system, the more likely it is going to get foul, more likely it's going to get septic or anaerobic, whatever you want to call it. Um, It's not good. Let's call it that. Okay. So what your first flush diverter does is it's just a offshoot that catches that first bit of rain. And and then once it's full, it will direct the the rain into your container. Okay. Uh, These can be very simple systems. Uh, So again, if you're interested in this, go ahead and Google it. It's it's really cool stuff. And it's just basically like a little offshoot of your downspout. Okay. And of course, your downspout has to be watertight uh, at this point. So it would have to be like a PVC downspout instead of, you know, your typical aluminum or plastic one that made of that, you know, rectangular material. Um, so anyway, your, your first flush diverter just catches the first amount of rain, uh, that's, that's higher in your dissolved solids and organic matter, uh, to keep it away from your rain system. And, and then it'll slowly empty out over time, or it has to be manually emptied after each rain event, uh, in order to, you know, again, be used the next rain. So check them out. They're a very nice piece to have as part of your system to help keep it maintained, to help keep your water nice and and healthy for your landscape. And last thing here, uh, you want to make sure your system is covered. I think we all are familiar with these little things, uh, the the greatest human predator in the world called the mosquito. Uh, And... uh, yeah, you know, keeping it covered, keeping your system covered helps prevent mosquito issues. Uh, it also, if you have an area where rodents are a problem, they can get into these systems and they can drown easily, to be f- quite frank. So you want to make sure it's protected from rodents, protected from mosquitoes, and also children, guys. You know, last thing we want is, you know, uh, this beautiful thing we have uh, built to help, you know, 
serve our landscape, to help, uh, you know, reduce our burden on the environment, to be an increased hazard for children. Um, it's, a, it's an unfortunate reality, right? But we want to make sure we're on top of that to make sure our systems are safe. So keep them covered, keep them safe, um, keep everybody happy. All right. So, so that's the last of my miscellaneous kind of additional factors here. So for today's show, we've gone over the benefits to quickly highlight again, it's healthy water for our garden. It's low cost storage, helps reduce runoff, reduces energy and our demand on our water supply. Um, we've gone over the types of rain containers from the super easy rain barrels to um, larger cisterns that you can buy, these big plastic cisterns, um, to IBC totes, which are, you know, kind of a retrofit, kind of like the barrels, um, if we go with the, you know, 55-gallon drums, and also more advanced or, or you know, aesthetically pleasing or nuanced um, systems that are custom-built or designed. Um, we've gone through a couple miscellaneous factors, avoid freezing, avoid dead legs, uh, consider a first-flush diverter, and also um, protect it from, um, from rodents, mosquitoes and children okay so that's the highlight of today's show guys um i've had fun kind of covering this with you again if you have any questions go to e i e <laughs> i'm having trouble with my links today guys ely.how slash ask always happy to talk some questions with you guys um and it'll be me answering you again easy living yards here's we're just a tiny little business we meaning me, uh, some help from my beautiful wife. Um, and that's it. So, uh, when you're talking, reaching out, you're going to get me answering you. Um, sometimes, you know, that matters, right? So anyway, let's talk about some resources for today's show. Again, if you're interested in any services, reach out to ely.how slash services or easylivingyards.com slash services. Uh, you can check out our full array of landscape services offered there from our virtual or in-person design, uh, consultation services uh, to cover specific problems, or our DIY coaching program called the Easy Living Yards Membership. All right, guys, looking forward to working with you guys if you're interested. Also, we talked about at the beginning of the show, if you, you know, maybe those services aren't for you right now, that's totally fine. Another wonderful way you can support the show is to share this show with a friend um, or, you know, somebody you know that might benefit from hearing about Easy Living Yards. Great way to help me out. Great way to help a friend out too. All right. Um, resources. We talked about our soil and water, soil and water conservation districts. Most counties in the United States have one of these districts uh, as part of their county government. So check out, you know, type whatever county you live in, type soil and water county district, soil and water conservation district, and uh, you should get a result, a little web page, you know, a phone number of somebody you can talk to. Uh, to help you out. A lot of these um, groups are very conservation oriented. Uh, they also realize our impact on our storm, storm water systems as well as our water supply systems. So they're usually happy to help out. So they're real people you can talk to locally to help you out and for free, which is pretty awesome. Okay, the rainwater calculator. Make sure you check out the link in the show to see how much rainwater actually falls on your roof. Guys, you're going to be astounded. It's crazy how much rain falls on our roof. Even if you live in the middle of the super hot, dry desert of Las Vegas, Nevada, you'll be surprised at how much water you can capture from your roof. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Uh, check it out. All right. Also, um, I'm going to provide a link to a recent show we did on rain gardens. So if you're not interested in a rain barrel or a rainwater catchment system, consider a rain garden because they provide an immense uh, ecological benefit 
uh, right in your landscape. And they also provide a huge benefit to our stressed stormwater systems that we're dealing with. All right, guys, I had an awesome time on today's show. I hope you did too. Uh, With that, make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today. 